Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Good morning, everyone. It is 9.03 here on SENZ. A busy Wednesday for you today. We're going to get to Japan at least twice. Hopefully the phone lines will be kinder to us than they were on Monday. I'm going to go across to Tasman too, and we're going to be talking golf, Olympics in general, some interesting things to come out overnight, and of course this massive deal with the NBL. The commissioner is Jeremy Loliger. We'll be talking to him also uh, just after 10 o'clock about uh, just what it means to the NBL. Will the Breakers get uh, a handout because of that? And what about planning for next season? Are we looking at the Breakers staying over there full-time as well? So uh, there are two or three of the subjects. We've got a panel later in the morning, uh, and we'll be talking to Di Henwood. I'm really looking forward to that. He's our uh, comedian of the week to talk to, a real sporting buff at that. So, uh, yeah, really, really, really busy me- uh, Wednesday morning. Um, and I'm looking forward to our guests, including Georgie, George Fisher, actually. She's the 22-year-old shooter for the Southern Steel, and they've got a really big match coming up this weekend. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, what did we discover from the Olympics yesterday? We found out that the Swiss, the Swiss haven't just made great watches and chocolate and Roger Federer. They produced some pretty phenomenal female mountain bikers as well. Over the same course the men endured the day before, plus the added element of a slippery surface due to some rain, three exceptionally strong and talented ladies named Nerf, Frey and Indigand etched their names into Swiss folklore, completing the most unlikely of trifectas. One, two, three, in the female mountain bike race. What are the odds on that? We also confirmed that David Nika is a fine boxer, a very composed sportsman, and a genuine medal chance. Maybe we knew that anyway. However, we also discovered that his opponent Eunice Bella from Morocco is a cheat, a thug, and a terrible sportsman, and an absolute disgrace to the sport and the Olympic Games. Now clearly there are parts of Mike Tyson he idolises. Not just the bite, and it was more than just a genuine attempt, mark my words, but his all-round demeanour and failure to acknowledge the superior effort of his opponent and disrespect of the occasion was glaringly obvious. He's a lucky man, you know, that the athletes have to clear the Olympic Village within 48 hours of their event because it would have been a long fortnight for him, he would have got a lot of, lot, a lot thrown at him, I would imagine. 
Let's hope Morocco's authorities take the appropriate action. It should be for Baila, his first and last Olympics. And good riddance to him as well. Right, 9.06 now on SENZ, and it's time to head across to Tokyo, and I'm very privileged to be joined by Ryan Fox, our Kiwi representative, uh, in terms of searching for a medal uh, in the golf at uh, Kasumi Gaseki Country Club. I hope I've got that right. Ryan Fox, good morning to you, sir. Morning, Smithy. Yeah, you got it pretty close, actually. Yeah, okay, I've been practising all night, mate. Uh, l- listen, you've, um, you've been to the ones in Rio, the, the games in Rio, uh, what's the feel? What's the difference now with with the COVID around? What have you sensed that's different about this one in the time you've been there already? I mean, obviously it's very different in terms of what we have to do. I mean, you know, all the rules around when you can arrive before events, um, the leaving 48 hours afterwards, and then, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of socialising going on. Um, you know, the... You go to the dining hall and you've, everyone's got masks on. You're wearing gloves. It's all sort of boxed off with with plastic in between each seat. So you kind of you, you almost eat by yourself to an extent. So yeah, you know all the COVID protocols are very safe. And then obviously you don't have any fans as well this week, which is uh, um, probably the big difference, Maria. Ryan, so you're in the, you're the village itself. Uh, I mean, communication is is limited. I, I imagine you're in the village itself. Communication limited, uh, so uh, you, you really can't even converse uh, as such with with uh, either fellow athletes or competitors. Yeah, I, I, we're in the village, and I mean, it's it's very different than last time. Yeah, there was a team room last time in Rio where you could sit there and watch sport with the other athletes, and we don't really have that. There's a a bit of a downstairs area where you can congregate for a little while, but um, you know, not too many seats down there, and everyone's socially distanced. So it's a bit of a different feeling. But um, you know, I think at least staying in the village, it feels like you are at an Olympics compared to. I think there's a few of the golfers staying off-site, and um, you know, for them, they're sort of saying it more feels like a normal tournament to them compared to you know something a little bit more special. Ryan Fox with us, folks. It's uh, 9.08. Uh, so what's your build-up been, Ryan, and, and what have you been able to put in terms of work on the ground going into the event? Uh, it's been good. I uh, flew in Sunday afternoon from from the UK, and it, uh, it was a little bit of a process getting into Japan, as you can imagine, with all the pro- uh, COVID protocols, and I uh, played 18 holes on, on Monday to kind of kick the jet lag and do a little bit of work, and... Uh, played nine yesterday and playing the other nine today. So I'll see the golf course twice, and um, you know, the prep's been really good so far. Um, probably the, the only frustrating thing for us is the golf course is about 75Ks from the Olympic Village, so it's sort of three hours sitting in a car each day, which you know takes up a fair bit of time. So um, there have been pretty long days out of the golf course, or, or I guess out of the village, but um, you know we, we sort of don't really have much else to do anyway. So... Uh, there's, there's not too much of an issue there. Uh, we saw Royal St George's uh, down there in Sandwich, of course, uh, was the venue for the Open Championship, Kasuma Gaseki Country Club. Compare the two for us as viewers, please. 
Um, yeah, they'll they'll look very different. I mean, I think there was one tree total on on St George's golf course. I think that was on the third hole, and it was about chest high, um, and it was more a bush than a tree. Whereas Kasumi Gasaki has uh, I mean, every hole, every hole's tree lined here. There's um, it's pretty pretty tight. Um, you know, there's the rough is very different here. Um, obviously, you get the the long wispy stuff you get at the open, which can be brutal in places. Where uh, Kasumi Gasaki, you've got uh, sort of maybe two three inch rough, which sits down, which is just as brutal as the as the long wispy stuff and and um, at the open. But it obviously looks a lot different. And um, you know, Kasumi Gasaki is, is I guess a parkland style golf course rather than a links course, so it is very different. But um, you know, still both are very good golf courses, and I would say Kasumigasaki is one of the best conditioned golf courses I think I've I've ever played. They haven't had anyone on it since April, and when we turned up on Monday, you know, the, there's no divots on the golf course. Literally, yeah, not a blade of grass was out of place, and um, now that's a comment from all the all the golfers this week that um, you know they're, they're very impressed with the place, and um, you know that not. Not many of them, even the PGA Tour players, have seen a golf course and and as good a shape as what it is this week, which is pretty cool. Amazing golf course. I was reading a little bit about it. So coming up a hundred years old, so it's had a great amount of history already in, in Japanese golf and sport for that regard. Uh, seven and a half thousand yards long minimum. Uh, that will suit big hitters. You are a big hitter, um, and we've also told that these conditions uh, at the moment it's the hot rainy season in Japan, so you might just get a bit of moisture which might make a little bit longer as well in terms of run. Yeah, that's definitely going to suit me. It's um, It kind of sneaks up in you a little bit, the golf course. You start off with a couple of relatively short par fours, and then all of a sudden uh, the fourth hole hits you as a sort of 220-metre par three, and you know the rest, rest of the golf course is relatively long from there. There's a couple of really long par fours. I think the ninth hole yesterday on the card is, is a 476-metre par four, which is... Um, you know that's certainly getting out there, and that pl- has played into the prevailing wind the last couple of days as well. So um, we did get a little bit of rain yesterday, which softened everything up. So I think you know that that should suit me to an extent. But you know the, the most important thing I think this week is going to be keep it in play off the tee. Um, you know if you get it in the rough, especially on some of these longer holes, you've got no chance of hitting the green in two, and it, it'll be a bit of a grind from there. So if, if I can drive the ball well this week. Um, you know, I feel like I'm in with a pretty good shot. Rhino, the importance of a gold medal. Uh, this is an interesting one for me because normally we associate golfers with uh, the four majors, maybe even the Players' Championship as the fifth. Uh, the various events that, that you really would put, love to put your name on the trophy. Um, take the financial side, of that, uh, financial side of it out in this week. Why, where does it rank, you think, for um, some of these really, the guys that have won majors already, the likes of, you know, players like yourself, where would a gold medal sit in terms of an achievement? I mean, it's, it's massive. And I, I think everyone's starting to kind of realise that now after Rio. I mean, I, I think it took tennis a little while to find its place in the Olympics and, um, you know, probably two or three cycles before it became really big with the players and, I think it's getting that way with golf now that you know, everyone's kind of realising that you know, it's a hard process just to qualify for the Olympics. I mean, you look at the three medalists last time, um, didn't qualify this time. Uh, and mm. you know, it's, it comes once every four years and um, you've, you've got one shot at it. So it's, you know, it, 
it's a it's a pretty tough tough thing to get. And I think um, you know looking back on a career, a gold medal will be just as special as as a major for a, for a lot of guys. I mean, um, you know, certainly for me, it would be a toss up between the two at the moment. You know, arguably a major might might be a bigger advance in a career in terms of what it will do for you at this point. But, you know, looking back at the end of a career, I think a gold medal would be something extremely special. And, um, you know, you, you talk to Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, or Matt Kuchar about it, you know, that they are extremely proud of, of their medals from Rio. And, um, you know, I think it will definitely be the same for, for the medalists this week. And I think, I'll, I'll, yeah, personally for me, it would you know, be very special to be able to get any one of the medals, let alone a gold. Absolutely, yeah, it'd be special for us too if we could uh, we could see you up there on the dais, mate. It would be so good. Yeah, Justin Rose not there, Paul Casey and uh, Tommy Fleetwood representing Great Britain. Uh, if there's one golfer that's uh, probably going to be followed, I mean, there's no crowds as you said, but the media will follow this bloke anyway, uh, and everything he does is uh, Hideki Matsuyama, of course, the reigning uh, Masters champion, who has, uh, I guess, added another dimension to Japanese golf. I mean, they love golf anyway, but what he achieved at Augusta has meant the spotlight will really be on him. Yeah, he will. I mean, they are crazy about golf in Japan. And, um, you know, I've talked to a couple of the Japanese tour reps that are here this week. And, um, you know, what, what Hideki winning the Masters has done for golf in Japan is, is almost beyond words. I mean, they are they are nuts about it. And it's it's a shame for us this week that we've... There is no crowds. I think golf would have been one of the one of the best supported events up here, and you know the the buzz around Hideki is is just huge. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't had a chance to play up in Japan since uh, the Masters win, or, or and there's been no crowds for that. So it would have been would have been huge for them. But um, you know, there'll still be a massive buzz around it. Like you know, I've seen him out on the golf course the last couple of days, and. Um, you know, he holds himself very well as the Masters champion. I think there will be a bit of pressure on him this week, but um, you know, he's he's also won a lot of times up in Japan as a professional. And um, you know, it, it'll be you know, it'll be massive for them if he can if he can get a uh, if he can get a medal this week. I mean, I think in terms of Japanese sports people, you know, Naomi Osaka um, is huge, and I think Hideki's almost as big up here as well. Ryan, uh, is John Rahm cursed? COVID twice in a month, is that right? Yeah, uh, I don't know what's going on there. It's a, it's very unlucky. I think, um, you know, talking to a couple of the Spanish guys about it, that it sounds like he probably doesn't have COVID, but the PCR test can potentially pick up the uh, the dead virus and... Um, He's just got unlucky in that respect. He tested negative twice, um, and then on his third test before leaving, he tested positive again, and that that knocked him out of the games. And um, by all accounts, if he was on the PGA Tour this week, he'd have no issue playing. Um, but the the rules are a little bit different for the Olympics and getting into Tokyo, so he had no chance. Um, and it, yeah, it is a it's a massive shame. He was a big advocate of of the. Uh, of coming to the games and representing Spain, and um, you know he 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 would have brought a lot to the field. Obviously, he's in great form and the world number one. And you just feel for John in that respect. That um, you know, 
in any other year, something like that wouldn't matter. If you're feeling a little bit sick, it probably might hinder your performance, but not not stop you from competing. And um, you know, obviously, COVID's changed everything in the world, and yeah, he's he's been incredibly unfortunate. But um, you know, he he seems like he's he's taken it pretty well, just like he took uh, the the, the, the uh, diagnosis around the memorial and. Um, you know, no doubt he'll come back stronger and probably have a point to prove at the end of the year and win a couple of FedEx Cup playoffs or something like that. 60 entrants uh, in both the men's and women's side of the golf at uh, Tokyo. Uh, Ryan, what, who's your pairing and uh, have you got an early start? Yeah, I'm playing with uh, CT Pan and Anibana Heri. Um, so I think Chinese, Taipei and India. Um, both those guys play on the PGA Tour. So uh, it's a nice pairing, and it's not an early start per se. I think I'm paying off at 8.50, but um, it will be an early leave from the village, obviously, with it being so far away. Um, I think I'll be leaving the village about, well, before this time, tomorrow about 6 a.m. sometime to get to the golf course. So, uh, yeah, it's, I'm quite happy I'm not the 7.30 tea time because I think it would have been sort of a 4.30, 5 o'clock leave from the, from the village. But, um, yeah, it's... It's kind of nice being in a small field. Um, you know, hopefully the pace plays nice out there, and um, you know, I guess with 60 people, you, you've got even you know a, a better chance of of being up near the top, which is nice. Ryan Fox, thanks so much for your time uh, this morning, uh, getting up early, and uh, of course, uh, all, all the best uh, on behalf of New Zealand. Uh, you're our best golfer, and uh, we rate you a really, really big chance over here, and it would be great. Uh, to see you realise a bit of a dream here, a golfing dream, and, and get on that dais uh, in uh, about six days' time. So uh, on behalf of uh, New Zealand golf fans, sports fans, thanks for chatting to us, and all the very best, mate. And uh, most of all, stay safe and well. Thanks, mate. I really appreciate it. Yeah, good luck, mate. Uh, the country's with you big time. Uh, okay, 9.20 here on SENZ. 88.33 is our text number. 0800 150811 is our phone number. You can call me, uh, or you can also text me. What did you make of that idiot? That idiot trying to bite our boxer, David Niki, yesterday. What is it about that bloke that makes him want to do that? Was he being so badly beaten he was embarrassed by the whole situation? He got hammered on the scorecard. You should get hammered more than that for me. I just don't believe it. Voice of Sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.25 here, yeah, and uh, we've just, oh, I guess, talked to Ryan Fox. I, I really look forward to his chances, actually. Lydia Coe on the women's side of things as well, and uh, I love the way he talks so positively about things, Ryan Fox, and uh, backs his opportunity, and the importance too. It was quite a revelation to me, the importance of that gold medal alongside a major uh, money, of course, is not part of the equation this time around, but uh, and that's what uh, some of the, the fledglings or younger pros are obviously to, to do, trying to make a living out of and get themselves secure in a, in a respective tour. But uh, for Ryan Fox and for a lot of these golfers who are financially secure, a gold medal ranks right up there, perhaps with winning a major. 88.33, maybe you want to talk about that. That's our text number. Talk about David Nika David being bitten yesterday by that moron from Morocco. Uh, otherwise, JD, have you, have you got some breaking news, do I sense? That music would suggest so, Smithy. The All Blacks, of course. Um, AIG, that contract's running out. 
uh, at the end of the season, so they are looking for a new sponsor, and they have found one, Smithy. And uh, if you vote for the Greens, you probably won't enjoy this. Ineos is going to be the new sponsor of New Zealand rugby for the next six years. Of course, you'll know Ineos from the America's Cup. Uh, they back the British entry. They also back Mercedes in Formula One. They've got a cycling team, Ineos, uh, that ride in the Tour de France, one of the leading cycling teams there as well. Uh, they've got like, a lot of money. And why the Greens will be uh, peed off, Smithy, you've done a little bit of homework already on Ineos. And, and what are they into? Right, OK, I, I have actually. I, Ineos, I-N-E-O-S. Yeah, they were part of the America's Cup campaign for the Brits, unsuccessful. Uh, their revenue uh, in 2021, so, well, 2021, was uh, $91 billion. Uh, their products, JD, uh, chemical substances, petrochemicals, and plastics. That's what they specialise in. So <laughs> not exactly topic of the month in the, with uh, Chloe Swarbrick, is it, in the Green Party? No, absolutely not. And when everyone's going plastic-free, the All Blacks are, are going plastic. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, Mark Robinson's got some... Um, Quotes on the release were being sent to partner with Ineos and be part of such a unique and diverse global sports performance group is an exciting new venture. We're committed to nurturing the development of rugby over the next six years with Ineos Sport and are looking forward to working alongside some of the best sports teams in the world. Ineos will bring an innovative approach and dedication to the partnership with our teams in black, qualities we see across all aspects of their business, particularly around sustainability with their commitment to deliver a zero-carbon emission future in line with the Paris Agreement. So he's been straight on to that already, Smithy. Yeah, it's a very interesting, actually. So um, does it say how much, JD? doesn't say how much it's worth. At this point, six, uh, six years, you would assume it's mega bucks. Mega bucks. Yeah, no, nothing about the amount of money. Were they getting, um, I think they were getting $10 million a year from Adidas for 10 years with that sponsorship. Um the All Blacks brand. I mean, they're not the world back. Uh, they're not the world champions anymore. They didn't beat the British and Irish Lions. Are they worth as much as maybe they could have been in the past? I think they are. I think that brand. It's a little bit like Manchester United. It's like the Yankees. Their history uh, will always look after the fact that they're valuable. So I, I don't see an issue there. Uh, where does this place? So that's. Where does this place Silver Lake and uh, possibly the Forsyth Bar deals? Where that's an interesting one. Where, uh, they become so important now to um, New Zealand rugby now that this one's been signed. Yeah, exactly. So they're desperate for cash, weren't they? That's why they wanted to push that $190 million Silver Lake deal across the line because um, all these domestic competitions and everything they run cost a hell of a lot of money. And um, They're desperate for cash after COVID wiped out a lot of their savings. Uh, New Zealand rugby have built up mm. some good coffers under Steve Chu and they've kind of disappeared under Mark Robinson. Um, so, yeah, this has come at a, a great time for New Zealand rugby, I'd say, and would be interesting uh, to hear from Mark Robinson. Hopefully we can get him on the line. I know he's doing a stand-up later on this morning at 11am, but either this morning or tomorrow morning, I'd be interested to hear his thoughts. 8833 is our text number. Uh, what do you make of that? What do you make of that? And also... Uh, 0800-150-811 is our phone number. Please uh, give us a call, give us a text. Uh, they're starting to build up. We'll read them shortly. Uh, and also, uh, we'll be talking to Ollie Ritchie very shortly. And Ollie Ritchie is on the ground over there in Tokyo. Here's Trudy with the news. It's 9.30.
we're going a little further than across the ditch. We're going all the way to Tokyo now as we're joined by Ollie Ritchie. Ollie is a News Hub's rugby reporter. He's been in the stands uh, at the Sevens. He's one of the lucky ones that's able to actually go because of his uh, role as a journalist or uh, a scribe and a, a reporter for News Hub as well. Uh, he's been watching our New Zealand Sevens team go through to the semi-finals. It's a stage they weren't able to reach five years ago. Uh, as they were knocked out by the eventual gold medalist, Fiji. Uh, good morning to you, Ollie. Thanks very much for joining us. Morning, Smitty. Okay, uh, what did you make of that performance uh, over Canada? They, they looked relatively comfortable. But they have been starting slightly slowly throughout the tournament. I would imagine they can't afford to do that going forward. No, you're right. It was, it was pretty dominant o- over Canada, uh, raising out to a 21-point lead at half-time, scoreless in the second half, so they won't be thrilled about that, but when you've got a 21-point buffer, um, you are pretty comfortable in, in saying that. We saw the USA blow a 21-point lead against Great Britain in their quarterfinal. Um, but All Blacks-wise, pretty comfortable yesterday. Slow start against Australia in their last pool game. Uh, they won't be too pleased about that, but they've found ways to, to bring it back and to get back in the game and to find that spark they need. And saying that, now we're getting to semi-finals, hopefully final stages. They can't really afford to start slow because when they come up against a team like Fiji, uh, they'll just be punished, won't they? So a little bit to work on there. Hopefully out of the gates a little bit quicker today. So Great Britain at 2 o'clock uh, this afternoon, New Zealand time, folks. Carlton Arna told us yesterday that Great Britain have basically selected a team of all backs. So they're going to actually try and run the feet off New Zealand by the sounds of it. Yeah, absolutely, and we saw them try and do that against the USA yesterday as well and, and, and do it pretty successfully. Uh, they like to play fast rugby, which you know, I know sounds weird when you're talking about sevens, but uh, they'll try and run the all-black sevens off the park, get around them on the outside um, and, and score tries that way. So I'm sure the all-black sevens will have done their homework on that and they'll be uh, weary uh, of that, but this will be a formidable challenge for them in this, this semi-final. Great Britain tipped them up. Uh, five years ago in Rio. So the All Blacks Sevens will have memories of that. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of redemption uh, on the cards for them as well. But uh, this will be a, a fast game. And if the All Blacks Sevens can get a couple of early tries, two or three first half tries, uh, they'll need a bit of a bit of scoreboard pressure, I think, uh, against Great Britain. Well, I will because I tell you what, I I, I watched the their performance in the quarters against USA. Now, I, I nearly switched off at halftime and went and watched something else, but I'm glad that I stayed with it. They lost their skipper after about 30 seconds, Great Britain. Then they lost the play, a player to the bin. Uh, they were 21-0 down at half time. So it really suggests to me, even with a margin like that, no game is safe in this tournament. Well, we've seen that like plenty throughout this throughout this tournament so far. Um, you know, the the, the RGs against... South Africa as well were just formidable, um, but no point, uh, no margin is really safe at the moment. Um, so you know we saw the All Blacks out to a 21-point lead uh, as well, which they managed to hold off Canada. But you know you're absolutely right, Smithy. Against a team like Great Britain, they can claw back a 21-point margin pretty comfortably inside inside seven minutes. So um, they will have to be on their game for the entirety of this one because you're absolutely right. No margin is safe. And against a team like Great Britain who will just try and run you off the park and keep coming back at you and back at you and back at you, um, 
you've got to be on for, for 14 minutes. And, and the All Blacks even will know that. Um, they'll be aware of, of that threat of, of Britain. But you're absolutely right. That was a formidable comeback yesterday. And the USA will be absolutely kicking themselves uh, for letting that one slip. Sevens is a game, uh, predominantly uh, ball-in-hand game. You don't see too many kicks in it. But when the kicking does come into play, it's basically at restart time. And therefore, you have to be pinpoint accurate. Andrew Newstub has, uh, has been given the role of playmaker for us, and, and he steps into the shoes of some really fine playmakers we've had over the years. How do you think he's handling it? Well, I think Andrew Newstub's been one of our standout performers at this, at this tournament so far. I, I really do. Um, he was instrumental in leading that comeback against Australia in our last, our last pool game. Uh, he manages to, to, to find space, and he's, he's, he's quite... Um, quite a threat with ball in hand as well. He's not known as a big, powerful ball runner, but you know he's actually become a bit of a threat with ball in hand as well. So I think he's been huge for us this tournament. He was massive in leading that comeback against Australia to get up 14-12. He was massive again against uh, Canada. So I think he's really grown up. I mean, he's only 25 years of age. It feels like he's been around for quite a while, but um, he's really stepped up in this tournament and they will need him to do the same uh, against Great Britain. Two o'clock this afternoon, New Zealand against Great Britain, and that is uh, a semi-final match. Uh, win that, and of course you're playing for gold. So uh, it's uh, absolutely wonderful performance thus far by the Sevens team, who were fifth uh, in Rio. Uh, another couple of rugby matters I'd really like you to talk to you about, uh, Ollie. And, and uh, we came through yesterday. Uh, Shannon Frizzell will get a one-match stand-down period. They're saying he effectively got two because the Highlanders stood him down while this thing hit the fan originally. Uh, he misses the test match against uh, Australia on August the 7th here. Uh, what do you make of that uh, decision by New Zealand rugby? Well, it's probably a fair decision, isn't it? Um, when you've got a, one of your frontline All Blacks before the courts on, on charges like that, um, they had to do something. Um, the language around that, that Highlanders match that he was apparently stood down for is interesting. I remember covering this the story at the time and, and the, the messaging out of out of the Highlanders seemed to be that they just decided that he wasn't stood down, but they just decided it was best for him, given uh, what was going on off the field. It was just best for him to, to be away from the team and to, to worry about himself. Uh, fast forward, and now apparently that he was stood down for that match. So the messaging around that one uh, is a little messy and unclear, um, but New Zealand rugby had to do something. I'm a little surprised that they've only opted for the one match ban. I thought he might get a little bit more, but um, they had to do something, and I suppose it's good to see them act in, in, in some way. But yeah, the messaging around that, that Highlanders game that it was stood, stood down for is interesting because it wasn't really painted as a, um, as a stand down at the time. Just announced this morning is uh, the new partnership between NZR New Zealand Rugby and INEOS. Of course, the Ineos are being involved with the uh, British Challenge and the America's Cup. They're uh, involved in a lot of sporting sort of deals, corporate deals around the world and activities. But they're also pr a producer of plastic and chemicals and that sort of thing, and that's exactly where they make their money. Uh, this is a, a deal that New Zealand Rugby will, will celebrate because, uh, Ollie, they've been looking to replace some of that lost COVID money, etc. So this will go a long way towards it. Uh, an interesting choice. Yeah, I, Greenpeace is certainly none too happy about about uh, this partnership with, with Enios. 
um, and you can understand why. Uh, I suppose at the end of the day, this is a business deal, isn't it? And as you say, New Zealand rates were stripped of a lot of money during COVID, um, and they had to make that back somehow. Um, there was a, a sponsorship up for grabs, of course, with, with um, the deal with AIG coming to an end. So this is purely a business decision. Um, and they're tapping into a market, I suppose, which, you know, seems to be growing with, you know, that Ineos deal with sports teams. You mentioned, you know, Ineos Team UK from the America's Cup. Of course, Ineos is a major sponsor of the Mercedes Formula One team as well. So they have a large sporting market uh, that New Zealand rugby have seen an opportunity to try and tap into. Um, they have to make that, that money back somehow that, that, they'll lose, that they've lost through through COVID. So, you know, from a business point of view, good business, smart decision. Big-time sponsor, big-time business involved with high-level sport. Get them on, on the back of your shorts, get them on your jersey. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Uh, this will rub a few people up the wrong way, uh, I think. But... Um, it's it's purely business at the end of the day from New Zealand Rugby's point of view. They have to make that money back that they lost during COVID because the game desperately needs it. Ollie Ritchie, uh, News Hub's rugby reporter, with his thoughts on a couple of matters. Outside the sevens, uh, which of course uh, goes this afternoon at two o'clock, uh, it is our side, uh, New Zealand, uh, against Great Britain. And uh, the winner of that, I would say, will probably go on and play Fiji, but there's been plenty of upsets in this tournament so far. We'll have to wait and see. Ollie, I know you got up real early to, to talk to us. Uh, we appreciate that, mate. Go back to bed and get ready for that big match this afternoon. Thank you. We look forward to it. Thanks, Millie. Cheers. Uh, Ollie Ritchie there, uh, all the way from Japan. So, interesting. Uh, 88.33, what are your thoughts on Ineos? What are your thoughts on uh, David Niki yesterday and the fact that uh, he was almost bitten? Uh, it was a genuine attempt from Bala from Morocco. Uh, to try and bite him. Uh, did you see it? What did you make of that? A uh, little text has uh, just come in for your information. Synthetic track is officially opening in Cambridge today. Yep. Winston will be on course to cut the ribbon. Winston Peters, of course, not the Minister of Racing. He's a former Minister of Racing. That in itself is quite interesting. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yep, and it is uh, 9.48 here on SENZ, uh, our second week in business. A man who uh, has been around the scene, the racing scene, for quite some time, one of its great supporters. From a political point of view, Winston Peters joins us on the phone right now. And uh, Winston, special day for, for you uh, in particular because you are so supported of uh, racing going forward in this country. They needed a synthetic track and you're going to cut the ribbon to open it officially today in Cambridge. Well, first of all, good morning, Ian, and the answer is yes. Um, seriously, the only reason, part of my interest in watching with events and horses and what have you, is that it makes good economic sense. There's certainly tens of thousands of young people and other people who get employed in this industry who needed support to ensure that uh, the uh, chances of cancellation of racetrack events, uh, which are a huge loss to the industry, were stopped by just a bit of modernisation. So... Most other things we shot off to uh, when we were overseas, look at some artificial racetracks and then work with Cambridge and one's coming along in Arapuni as well and one is coming in the South Island at Riverton. So that the cancellation stop is all weather training and all weather um, racing in this country. And so that's a bit of a delight actually, but can I just say, without giving you too long an answer, I took the dogs, I wanted to prove my economic theories work 
if you put in the investment, you'll get the outcome. Winston, it's it's not just uh, a great investment in that regard. It's a huge employment industry, isn't it, the, the racing industry? Well, I tell you, there's a lot of people who are um, owners and planning is very important and uh, all sorts of employment. It's a tremendous job for young people. Some young people just want to be around horses. And that's what they want. They've got enormous skills and great trainers in this country. But over the years, I saw the response from Parliament, uh, very sort of perverse, so to speak. They'd go to the open races or the big days at Rickerton or the Wellington Cup and say, oh, well, everybody's dressed up, they must be wealthy. I've got no idea. That's not the truth. And second, um, it's, a, it's a tough job. People are up at you know, 4.30 in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. Day after day as part of this industry. So it's great to see at least we've got a turnaround. Obviously, one of the biggest uh, drawbacks or one of the things holding the racing industry back is finance. It's like anything. It's like most sports. It's like most businesses. It's a key factor in that. Uh, there was a recent grant from the government to the racing industry, but never enough, one feels. Well, there was a lot of money during COVID-19 to keep them going because uh, the industry has been seriously reformed. There's been a lot of rationalisation because we had part in the tracks. But here's the point. This industry, and in, for example, Ireland, brings in about 3.5 no, uh, yeah, billion a year, and it could be in this country as well. Second, uh, we should be a major exporter of horses in the way that we are at the moment, because we just haven't put the infrastructure in and, and resources in to help them in the first place. But here's another thing you should remember. This was an industry that was being taxed 20% on gross, while consumers were being taxed 4%, foreign owned. 4%, and as you'll know, 20%. How is that fair? So we fixed all that up as well. Winston Peters, uh, thanks very much for calling in. Um, it was great that, that we got that information. In fact, we're, we should book a longer interview with you because um, we really need to get out to the, the nuts and bolts more on the racing industry and just how it's working and how it's faring uh, because it's so important to uh, this country. And, and just uh, reiterating the fact that Winston will be on course today at Cambridge. Uh, and he'll be cutting the ribbon to officially open the brand-new synthetic track. Already had two or three meetings there, but uh, really this is the official opening in the last week of the racing season. Right, uh, my multi, uh, if you like to call it that, I'm thinking about changing it. can be your multi shortly because I'm having absolutely no luck, but we'll have another go at it very shortly. Uh, and also, uh, 88.33, please, 88.33, your texts uh, on any subject will do, 0800 uh, if you're the successful caller this month, you can win an all-black experience courtesy of Ballpark Entertainment. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. I'm going to take Kenny Rogers' advice shortly. Time to walk away and time to run because it's not going too well, to be perfectly honest. Yesterday, I had the Australian women's basketball team to beat Belgium at the paltry price of $1.24. They got beat 85.70. Good God, what's going on there? Uh, Latvia did beat the Netherlands in my 3x3. Maybe I should stick to that. That's men's basketball. Uh, and in the women's football, 
Uh, I went Great Britain with their professional outfit from uh, all of the women professionals there that play for Arsenal and Manchester United and Tottenham, whatever, very professional outfits. Uh, I thought they'd beat Canada, but they couldn't. They drew, so all-round unsuccessful there. We'll give it another go because uh, that's what gamblers do. Uh, Romania uh, and uh, the Ollie Whites today, they draw. Uh, that'll be enough to get the Ollie Whites through to the next round. Uh, I believe they draw. So that's at three bucks. That's my value one, JD. Three dollars the draw. Uh, the Olympic tennis, uh, Karina Buster, uh, he'll beat Kefta today. Uh, that'll be at a dollar twenty-six. So that's just to add to my uh, three bucks. And then I'll go back to baseball. I believe with uh, Mater on the mound that the Minnesota Twins will beat the Detroit Tigers. That's uh, my multi for today. They're at a buck fifty, and you'll get a return for there of five dollars sixty-seven. And God, do we need it? Hopeless, damned hopeless. Need a winner. Actually, I just got texted a winner. Uh, I shouldn't say it uh, on the. Uh, I shouldn't say it on the radio because I texted him because it'll probably reduce the price. But Elusive Empire race one today. Give us a wind burn, they reckon. I wouldn't mind a bit of wind burn. Sick to death of not going to the back of the tote. You know, in the old days, we used to go to the back of the tote. That's where you collected. I don't care where the tote is today. It doesn't really matter. Let's get one. Get one. A steal. Okay, let's uh, join uh, right now up with uh, Jeremy Lolega, who is, uh, of course, uh, in charge or uh, in charge of the NBL over there. And uh, uh, really, uh, Jeremy, congratulations on signing this deal with ESPN. I mean, just put those four letters together. You're talking very big news in sport. You must be thrilled. We certainly are. Look, it's, it's ESPN, the undisputed home of. of basketball alongside the NBA, the WNBA and the NCAA. We're very proud to be back with our, our good friends and of course back with the might of, of Disney which means they've got some really significant leverage there to continue to help take our game to the next level but then also backed by the Foxtel group along with KO, the fastest growing sports streaming platform over here in Australia and uh, um, between the two of them that puts us in Two and a half million homes across the country, and very importantly for the league, it's also brought News Corp Australia to the table, which means we'll have editorial coverage both in print, but really importantly for our fans in New Zealand as well, on that many different uh, mastheads uh, digitally online. Fans are going to get access to the NBL content, not just live content, but all that shoulder content and storytelling like they've never been able to get before. What kind of added reach does it give you worldwide then, Jeremy? Oh, look, world, worldwide, uh, this is primarily just a, a, an Australia-New Zealand deal. Um, of course, with every game continuing to be shown live on Sky Sports New Zealand for the coming season as well. Um, this doesn't incorporate ESPN globally. That's certainly still on the table and a possibility. Um, but we're still negotiating the international component. We're getting great international interest by virtue of the fact that our, our Next Stars program continues to go from strength to strength with players joining the league from, from new markets. And there's no better example than young superstar from France, Ousmane Dieng, joining the New Zealand Breakers this season. I can guarantee you will have uh, reinvigorated the interest out of France like we've never had before as well. And then just this morning, Melbourne United have announced the signing of seven-foot German Togolese prospect uh, Ariel Huckporty, a prodigious talent as well, 
both of these guys, I think, are on their way to the NBA in the very near future, and we're, we're very, very pleased that they're using the NBL as a pathway to get there. Well, Australian league, uh, basketball is very, very strong. We only have to look at the impact they're having in the Olympics and the high-profile players that have uh, obviously started their, uh, applying their trade in Australia and then moving through to the NBA and other competitions, so very high-profile names like uh, Paddy Mills, of course, uh, Ben Simmons, uh, you know, you, you've got uh, Joe Ingalls, you've got so many high-profile you know, high players promoting your game to youngsters back in Australia. Now, Jeremy, obviously one of the big responsibilities you have to the game is, is to make sure it's financially secure. Uh, just how big is this deal in that regard, particularly in times of COVID when everyone seems to have suffered massive losses across the board? Yeah, you're spot on, and, and this is a watershed moment because it reflects the first time in the, I think, the 42-year history of the NBL that the league will actually be in a position to return a distribution to clubs at the end of the year. Um, it's a commitment that we've made to the clubs that we will do everything we can to start actually giving back when it comes to you know, the, the hard numbers, the bottom line. And we're very proud to be uh, at that point as a result of not just this deal, but the cumulative hard work that, that everyone in the league has been doing along and hand in hand with all of the clubs. We're, we're now jointly at a point where um, deals like this are actually going direct to the ongoing sustainability of our clubs. In terms of the breakers, of course, a massive interest uh, over here in New Zealand about their future. Uh, uh, and the sacrifices uh, they've had to make, like, uh, like of course, uh, the Warriors and, and the Phoenix. Uh, if you want to play in the Australian League, you've just got to spend time in Australia at the moment. It's just the way of the world. Uh, you mentioned uh, a bit of distribution and funds, so they'll be benefactors of that, the Breakers? Oh, absolutely, they will. Absolutely, they will. And, um, you know, the, the, the Breakers, obviously, recognised as representing all of New Zealand in the NBL, but... You know, they, they were very much adopted Australians during the course of last season. There's an enormous sense of um, gratitude from everyone here, uh, not just fans, but also each of the other Australian-based NBL clubs um, for the, the sacrifice that they made during the last NBL season, spending the almost the entirety of the season in Australia. Yes, absolutely, they will be a, a direct financial beneficiary uh, of this deal exactly the same as uh, every one of the other Australian-based clubs. Jeremy, like most administrators, uh, you have to wake up every morning and just see what the development has been with COVID overnight at the moment in Australia, going through some very tough times with that uh, spiking numbers uh, in certain areas. And of course, uh, you know, you're, you're having uh, to lock down situations. At the moment, it's, it's still early days, and let's be um, optimistic about this. Uh, it would be ideal to get a scenario where we can have trans-Tasman uh, in NBL League, but what are, we, what are we looking at here at the moment? Are you, are you planning for uh, another situation whereby the breakers will have to be over there full-time? Uh, I'd be lying if I said we weren't planning for it, but that's because at the moment, as you said, we're still far enough out that we're planning for just about every contingency. As you alluded to, things have... Uh, pretty rough here in Australia at the moment, particularly in, in New South Wales and, and around Sydney, and that's, of course, affecting um, both the Sydney Kings and, and uh, the Illawarra Hawks most directly, but that has a huge impact on the entirety of the league. Um, it, it will make 
uh, trans-Tasman travel more difficult in the short term, I would envisage, uh, even as we begin the season. So certainly we're looking at... Uh, we've become pretty flexible and nimble as a result of last season, and we're looking at models for how we might begin the season without having too much of a disruption on the balance of the season, if that's possible. And then you just continue to tweak and manoeuvre the schedule as required in order to try and give uh, as many teams as possible uh, the opportunity to play all of their their scheduled 14 home games in front of as many fans in their home city as possible. But there there are no easy answers at present. Uh, The the simplest answer I can give you is that we're, we're ready to take it on. Yeah, I, I, you have to be so flexible in your thinking, I guess, and uh, planning all those scenarios. I, I guess there is an argument that the breakers are making the ultimate sacrifice. They should get quite a large piece of the pie. Maybe they'll put that to you. I'm sure they will. Um, and and certainly uh, from the distributions that were made last year in terms of COVID support, uh, I can unequivocally say that the, uh, the breakers were the, the most significant beneficiary of, of that distribution of funds, and rightly so. They were by far the most impacted, and we will continue to uh, to support the breakers, and, and both um, not just in terms of dollars, but in terms of making them as comfortable as we can. And I can tell you people from the league spent a huge amount of time with the club last year, uh, escorting them around the country and making sure that everything was running as smoothly as possible because it, it is so difficult being away from not just your, your trainers and your home facilities, but of course being away from friends and loved ones for such an extended period of time just adds that extra element of, of stress. Jeremy, uh, obviously uh, the big focus on basketball at the moment is in Japan, uh, where you've got a, a men's and women's team uh, competing, and uh, you know they're, they're pretty favoured over there to do quite well and get very, very close to medal positions. Uh, big result or bad result overnight, the Australian women losing to Belgium. Uh, they've had disruptions to the build-up, though, with um, one or two high-profile players, one in particular, pulling out. So hasn't been easy. No, it certainly hasn't been uh, easy for, for the Opals or for the Boomers, uh, for that matter, with, uh, of course, Ben Simmons unavailable to the squad uh, also. But I have every confidence that, that we'll see both teams there at the pointy end of, uh, of medal contention. But you're right, it was a surprise loss, I guess you would say, to Belgium last night for the Opals. Uh, the second half was pretty scrappy, or that last quarter in particular. Their first half looked, looked fine. Um, but it will be interesting to see what adjustments they make coming into their next game, which is in a couple of days. As I said, I'm still very confident they're a class unit, lots of experience on that team, um, but also enough youthful talent that I'm sure that there was... a uh, there were a few uh, nervous cobwebs in, the, in tummies going out there for the first time uh, at an Olympic last night. So I'm sure now that they've blown out the cobwebs, they'll come back and be raring to go. And the boomers, well, the boomers are shortening all the time as, as real medal contenders. Um, they, they beat Nigeria pretty comfortably the other day, although it was a very, very scrappy affair also. Again, I think blowing out the cobwebs after a an extended period of travel from their preparations in the US into Tokyo. Logistics are somewhat challenging for everyone at the minute. So now that they've had a good run, I think we'll continue to see them improve also. Jeremy Lollegathun, the Commissioner of the NBL. First of all, congratulations, uh, uh, Jeremy, on that, signing that deal with ESPN. Uh, they don't come any bigger than that. So that's wonderful news for the NBL. 
Uh, and also, thanks very much for giving us your time this morning. Uh, we haven't got a, a basketball representative team, of course, uh, in Tokyo. So uh, on behalf of Oceania, let's hope uh, the Australian teams do pretty well because basketball down this side of the world will benefit from it. Uh, thanks for your time, Jeremy. Really appreciate it. Good on you, and my pleasure. Thanks for having me, and I'm looking forward to getting over to New Zealand sometime soon with a bit of luck and uh, catching some Oz NBL over there in Auckland. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you here then. That would be uh, great news if the Breakers were able to get some home games uh, in the coming season. At the moment, perhaps not looking likely. I'll tell you who have some uh, thoughts on that. Mark Hinton. Uh, he is Mr. Basketball in this country in terms of journalism. He will know everything, so he'll be running his fingers or, or have done already across this deal what it means to the Breakers and the possibility of that. He'll have uh, also, he's an all-rounder, so he'll have thoughts on uh, maybe the Shannon Frizzell issue. Uh, maybe uh, even maybe Simone Biles. What's happening over there? And uh, other young women around the world, if you add Naomi Osaka to the list there, high-profile women in sport being pressured too much by the media to the point it affects their performance or even their participation. A couple of texts on that very shortly. Uh, you're obviously interested as well. 88.33, keep them coming in. Uh, yeah, and Mark Hinton. And I, I think, uh, John, we might even bring you into the panel this morning uh, because... Your performance of late hasn't been good. Here's a chance to redeem yourself very, very shortly. I'm looking forward to this panel. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. It is time for the knowledge of the morning, the genuine knowledge. Um, we're joined this morning, I'm pleased to say, by uh, Mark Hinton, who is a highly, highly respected and very experienced journalist uh, these days with stuff. Uh, JD John Day, of course, uh, my producer and the voice you're hearing in the background from time to time, uh, is also going to be the second part of the panel. Uh, first of all, good morning to you, Mark. Uh, welcome on in. The news uh, has just come through this morning of this massive deal uh, which will benefit, we are told, the NBL uh, in Australia and maybe uh, a, a bit of a, a feed down to the breakers as well. What do you make of this deal? Yeah, good morning, Smithy, and thanks for having me on and congratulations on on being part of uh, something pretty special here, getting sport back on the airwaves 24-7. It's absolutely wonderful and gives me something to tune into outside of popular music in my car now so i'm very happy smithies um yeah the nbl deal uh the nbl deal is really significant it, look it's not as significant as the all blacks deal with ineos in terms of money but uh, this is a, this is a league that didn't have a tv rights deal uh the the only sort of mainstream professional sports league in australia that wasn't bringing money in you know into its into its coffers and 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 to its teams via a, a TV rights deal. Look, they've finally got one. It's not massive. Uh, the the NBL owner talked about sort of the region of 15 to 20 million, but it's a year, which, you know, I guess we might laugh and say that's not massive, but when you're talking about distributing it amongst the whole league and teams, etc., it's not huge money. It's not what the football codes in Australia get, but it's a start. And look, they've said... Uh, some of that money um, will filter down to the teams, and that's absolutely massive. Because look, these um, you know these people that run these professional franchises, like the Breakers in New Zealand under Matt Walsh and his, his consortium of mostly Americans, um, th this costs them a lot of money, and, and they they don't have bottomless pockets. Eventually, they're going to say to themselves, you know, um, is, you know, does this make sense for us? So they have to see some money coming in. Some money will finally come in via the TV rights deal 
for the breakers and the other nine clubs in the Australian NBL, and that has got to be good for for them and for the sustainability of the league. So yeah, it's, it, it is a bit of a watershed moment for this Australian NBL committee, which is really growing in popularity and in, in I guess, status. It's now recognised as one of the top basketball leagues in the world outside, of course, of the NBA. Uh, this is a big step in the direction to keeping it uh, in that position. What, what kind of money are we, we talking about? Has there been a, a figure officially announced or do you have a ballpark sort of figure in your mind? Well, the, the owner talked about them wanting um, or chasing in the region of 15 to $20 million a year. Um, and he, you know, he wasn't giving anything away because they don't these days around these commercially sensitive deals. But he said we came away happy with what we got. So you got to figure it's in that region, fifteen to twenty million dollars. Um, that's to be divvied up uh, in terms of the league's operating costs and then amongst the teams. So when you when you start, uh, you know, cutting the pie into little pieces, fifteen to twenty million dollars doesn't necessarily go a long, long way, but it's a starting point. So. Um, I think when you're looking at, at sports like the NRL, um, the AFL, um, even rugby in Australia, you know the, the, the numbers are much more significant than that. But, but look, you've got to start somewhere. And they're, they're on board with ESPN. ESPN, they pay their top presenters in America, Smithy, and this will, this will get your attention, 5 to $6 to $7 million a year. That's their presenters, their on-air talent. So this is a company that has some money. And you've got to think if you're the Australian oh. NBL, you can make inroads with them. You know, they've got, they've got the sort of pockets that could eventually bring the paydays that could, would really make the sport go somewhere. Thanks, uh, thanks for making my day, Mark. I'm just taking <laughs> my headphones off and <laughs> heading down the pub and it's only uh, 10.24 and I'm dry July as well. So uh, that's great news. Uh, John Day is, uh, is with us this morning. Uh, your take on it, uh, JD, uh, on that deal and perhaps lead us into... Uh, Ineos as well, uh, because it's been a morning of endorsement announcements yeah, and deals. Exactly. No, interested to hear Mark's thoughts here because he's um, an expert um, in basketball and the breakers. I'm just thinking the breakers need that money so bad, uh, given what's happened with COVID. I know we had the NBL commissioner just before saying that they made some payments to the breakers in terms of uh, COVID relief for last season, but playing a whole season, basically, I know they had a few games at the end, but playing a whole season away from home, it's got to hurt. And these guys are competitive, they're businessmen, the guys who own the breakers, they want to make cash. So this is pretty big. I thought it was maybe ESPN, Mark, maybe globally. Um, but no, nah, it's not with Americans. And Americans won't be watching NBL, is that the way it is? Um, I'm not 100% sure how that works, but I know that the New Zealand NBL has a deal with ESPN in America and, um, and it's broadcast on their platforms, possibly their digital platform. I mean, they have such a massive, massive reach. So you, you have to think that, it, you know, it might not be making the main ESPN channel in America, which, of course, covers extensively their, you know, their major sports and pays billions of dollars for it. But uh, um, it, it'll be in there somewhere, JD. And, and um, you know, for example, um, these, these um, American coaches who are recruiting young Kiwi basketballers, they're seeing them play via, via coverage, you know, on these platforms, Um you know, I was talking to the young uh, um, schoolboy from the um, Husky, Zach Riley. He's going to college in America. He's got 15 colleges chasing him. He says these coaches are watching their games on e uh, the New Zealand NBL games on ESPN in America, and you know, seeing it in broadcast quality is a lot different than seeing dodgy, grainy, you know, home home filmed sort of uh, video stuff. So, uh, 
the exposure um, might not be on the number one network, but it's there with with the ESPN. It will be massive. Seems like old news, uh, Mark, but let's stay on the basketball subject. Um, Stephen Adams, Memphis bound. What do you make of that? Yeah, good move for Stephen, I think. he Just that any move was possibly a good move for him. He wasn't in the right situation in New Orleans, Smithy. Um, uh, just just with the balance of that team and and you know and and where they were wanting to go, obviously their main player Zion Williamson, um, their franchise player, um, likes to operate in the paint, which is where Stephen also likes to operate. So you know in the ter- in the sport of basketball, there's not always room for two to, to tango in the one spot. So um, Stephen was kind of marginalised in New, New Orleans, I think, and um, so potentially a good move for him if he stays there. You don't know. This is the NBA and this is the wheeling and dealing time of the year. We've got the draft coming up. Um, there's a lot of uh, more movements, more deals to come. So let's let's see if Stephen stays in in Memphis. But I think it's a, it's a much better fit for him in terms of um, him being able to express himself as a passer on the court, get the ball, um, get the ball in positions to score, get the ball in positions to make a difference, and also you know play the game we know he can play. So good move, but let's uh, let's keep a, a watching brief because this is the NBA, and your home today might not be your home tomorrow. Absolutely. I mean, it's only when you see someone like Stephen Adams chop and change uh, so readily, you just get a, a, a real clear picture of just what a volatile industry is. And uh, I'm not sure. They've got a lot of money, those blokes. They can probably buy a house wherever they end up. But uh, you wouldn't want to put uh, too many belongings in there for too long. For some of them, anyway, they seem to change so readily. We're coming up to the news very shortly, JD. I, I hope Mark can stay with us because there's a a couple of subjects. We might just start this one uh, before the news, actually. Shannon Frizzell, John, uh, how do you feel about one match suspension? Is that enough in the modern world? You wouldn't think so, Smithy. Um, yeah, and to backdate the one uh, to that Highlanders game when Roger Clark came out and said, no, nah, he's not being stood down because of the incident. He's being stood down because of, uh, you know, the just that he's distracted. Uh, it's a distraction for him. So it's better for him to be away from the squad. That's the way that match ban was painted. Uh, and so to come out now, after the fact, of course, it's always good after the fact, isn't it, with New Zealand rugby? So they never front-footed this situation, and now he's going to miss one game, essentially, uh, the All Blacks test against the Wallabies in the Bledisloe Cup, and maybe he wouldn't have even played that anyway. Uh, so Akira Ioane's probably the, the guy in the number six jersey at the moment who's in form and in the, the incumbent. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it seems like they're not making a big stand when it comes to this sort of stuff. Uh, when it comes to players uh, and their off-field incidents. Uh, he has pled guilty. He is going to get diversion, so it wasn't a, 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 a massive incident, but still one which I think deserves more punishment than just one test match off that he wasn't going to play anyway. OK, well, that's interesting. Uh, we've been getting uh, some texts in about that. We also got a lot yesterday uh, on the New Zealand rugby's softish approach uh, over the years and whether people like uh, Seve Reeson that uh, were punished enough uh, in the long term anyway. Uh, Mark, uh, it would be great if you could stay with us for another few minutes because there is a subject too emerging out of the Olympics uh, which has already uh, been uh, on the table, I guess, and that's uh, the effect of profile and pressure on young female athletes and uh, in particular Simone Biles pulled out of a, an event midstream last night to let her teammates down effectively uh, and Naomi Osaka also uh, getting knocked out in the early rounds of the tennis, uh, of course, she was uh, one of the, the pin-up girls being in Japan, uh, and she wasn't able to handle the pressure of that match last night. So 
That's a subject that we'll get some debate on with the panel after the news here with Trudy. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. here on SCNZ and it's part two of the panel. We're really privileged to have Mark Hinton with us this morning. Uh, His uh, knowledge is, uh, well, it's it's just broad. It's so broad and deep uh, uh, over a number of years accumulating it. And uh, so uh, his word is gold as far as I'm concerned. John Day perhaps not quite so gold, but uh, he's with us anyway. Um, Mark Hinton, uh, Shannon Frizzell, uh, your take on on that, the punishment, is, is that severe enough? Uh, no, uh, in, in a word, I think New Zealand rugby's, you know, taking the uh, softly, softly approach here. Look, I know their, you know, their empathies and their sympathies lie with their own players, and and they handle these guys with kid gloves. But they, at some stage, Smithy, you know, I, I, I don't know what you think, but surely they have to send a message to these guys. The courts are reluctant to, and I understand why. Um, you know, they don't want to ruin a young man's life. That was, you know, that was his first offence and all that sort of thing. Um, I understand, I kind of get that, but, you know, for, I think your sport is on a bound to, to, to draw the line in the sand to, and also to, to I guess, um, set an example, if you like. I mean, I, no, one, you know, no one wants to be the one that set the, that set the example of, but the sport has to sort of say enough is enough. You know, we can't have you guys... Um, going out and transgressing like this, you know, you are role models, um, you are professional athletes. This isn't good enough, um, and you know, something more than one match to miss one match. I know that'll hit him in the pocket a little bit, maybe, but uh, it's, to me, it's not enough of a uh, suspension. It's not enough of a statement to say, um, look, this wasn't good enough, uh, to, and, and to send a message through the sport. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, to players, they might not necessarily think that in the in the heat of the moment and after a big night on the grog or whatever. But you know, these these young men need to learn their lessons. Look, we see it in the NRL, the frequent offending. The NRL doesn't really come down hard enough, in my opinion, on these guys. They have they have to get the message, Smithy. That that would be my opinion. I don't want I don't want you know I don't think the book should be thrown at someone for their first offence. But they have to learn that there's accountability for their actions. Yeah, and one match, just not enough for me. Yeah, I'm with you, actually. They had some problems, didn't they, the Highlanders this year. They had party at Joshuani's as well, those uh, regular occurrences. So it wasn't an easy year administration-wise in terms of discipline for the Highlanders. But I think I'm with you on this, and I'm a little bit surprised that I haven't read anything this morning from maybe one of our female journalists on the fact that uh, that's uh, too light a punishment. Ineos, Ineos, of course, uh, huge uh, and promotion of sport around the world, America's Cup, the Mercedes uh, sponsorship as well in Formula One. And now, John Day, they are part of the All Blacks. And uh, I'm, I'm just amazed that we haven't already heard something from the likes of Chloe Swarbrick over that because these boys make plastic and chemicals. Yeah. Um, so, really? 
Yeah, my inbox has been uh, full actually leading up to this. Um, I think Greenpeace were onto this. They knew it was coming, and so they just wanted to flag to everyone uh, that Ineos are the bad guys uh, of the world. You know, they're the ones making the plastic, doing oil exploration, uh, all the causes of all these global warming problems we're having in the future. So New Zealand rugby are not getting a lot of great press at the moment, are they, Uh, with the way they deal with their players and now signing on uh, potential polluters of the planet, but I know Ineos are very keen to put, go on the front foot here, saying that they're committed to zero carbon emissions uh, in accordance with the Paris Agreement. So they they want to kind of dampen the flames, uh, so to speak. Um, but I'm not sure that's going to work. Uh, and New Zealand rugby are just more and more looking like bad guys, and that's why I think you know the Black Caps are the people's team these days. They're all positive, nice guys. All Blacks are kind of suffering when it comes to the people. I, I just don't think they're as popular or as likeable as they once were. Or well, is that just us, Mark? Is that just us, us cynical old journalistic types uh, looking at this? Uh, are we are we looking too deeply into Ineos and this major sponsorship following on from AIG for the All Blacks? No, I, I don't think we're looking too deeply, Smithy, because I think, you know... Um, you know, I think you know no one's above reproach when it comes to these things, and this is a company with a, you know, with a questionable record. Shall we say? There's a term called fracking. You might have to look that up. And make sure you spell it right on on your Google search because you might get some surprises. But uh, you know, that's another one of their of their practices that you know everyone frowns upon. You know, JD mentioned the you know the plastic, petrochemicals, and all this. I mean, this is a company with a, a bit of a history when it comes to um, not exactly protecting our planet. So, yeah, it, it, you know, no one's above reproach, but mate, money walks. But money, money walks. Money talks, and the other thing walks when it comes to these uh, situations. Look, the All Blacks have, have signed them to a six-year deal. It's, we're talking about the money that the NBA is getting from ESPN. This will be eye-watering money. It wouldn't surprise me if it's over a hundred million dollars. Um, you know, in the hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, this is a big-time sponsorship. And New Zealand rugby, you know, I guess we've got to be careful here where we where we draw lines. And New Zealand rugby needs money. We want our players to be kept in New Zealand and for um, and and to be you know rewarded um, as professionals as they should be. So for that to happen, they have to bring money in. Um, there's only there's only um, two or three avenues for that. And one of them has been denied them by COVID. So they're under a hell of a lot of pressure, as you know, Smithy, to um, balance the books, to bring money in, to bring revenue in. Um, and if any of signed the right sort of number on the cheque, I think they were willing to overlook anything. And in this case, they have overlooked a lot. Yeah, not to mention the pressure from uh, Rob Nicola, I would imagine, as well. He'd be, I imagine uh, pleased to know that they've signed a deal where players will, will benefit from that. There's no uh, secret about that either. Uh, look, just finally, Mark, there's uh, an interesting scenario coming up, uh, I feel now, out of uh, the Olympics. Just emphasising it more to the point, uh, Osaka, Naomi Osaka, who's withdrawn from events anyway. She withdrew from some, some tennis majors and some big events because the pressure was just too much for her of living up to expectation. Uh, she's bailed out in the quarterfinals in, um, in Japan. And, and also this uh, bizarre story of Simone Biles, who's the pin-up girl of world athletics and I would say of the USA Olympic team, pulling out of an event uh, midstream on her teammates because she just didn't feel up to it and she felt she might let them down and she wasn't in the right zone. What is that about? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Look, we have to tread really carefully here. Whenever you mention the subject mental health and mental well-being, 
it, it's an area where you have to have, show a lot of empathy and a lot of respect, isn't it? And let's face it, Smithy, the old world of sport that, that you and I played in back in our days, um, it doesn't exist now. You know, we, 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 we have to be aware of, um, of, you know, of what's going on around us and, and, and the mental health of, of everybody. So in many ways, you, you have to admire Simone Biles, her, her stand on this. Look, she, what, she didn't feel up to it. And, and she was big enough to take that step and, and to withdraw herself. Look, it's not weakness. It really isn't. And, and, and it's, it's part of the modern world, as you touched on with Naomi Osaka. I mean, it's easy to, to I guess it's easy to stand uh, apart from it and say, or oh, question it, I guess, and say, you know, they're sports people. It's what they do. Look, there's a lot of pressure on everybody. And I think, I think we have to allow these, these sports women and men um, to, to admit when they just aren't handling it. I, you know, it, I think it's a strength. It's not a weakness. And I admire Simone Biles for her stance. I don't think anything less of it. She's got the gold medals in her cabinet to prove that she can front when it matters. And I think she sent a really, really strong message with this. And I think Naomi Osaka, too, to a, to a slightly lesser degree, also sent a strong message with her decision that if you aren't feeling up to it, if you feel things are getting on top of you, take a step aside. No, no one, well, not no, no one, because some people will always have something to say on that, Smithy. But generally, I think people will support that. So well done to Simone Biles. Well done to Naomi Osaka. And if if, if it helps a young a young woman or a young man um, who is struggling for with whatever, and they see these people admitting their own struggles, if it helps that one person maybe take the right avenue as opposed to the wrong avenue, then their stance would have been worth it. And a well done to you too, Mark Hinton. I'll make you a promise here. You'll be back on the panel uh, more often than not because uh, I really did enjoy uh, and value your thoughts this morning. So uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, time to take a short break. And when we come back, uh, there have been some texts as a reaction to uh, Mark Hinton and John Day's thoughts this morning, uh, particularly on the Osaka Biles issue. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. <laughs> Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.47 here, yes, on SENZ, and uh, plenty of feedback coming on via the text 8833. We'd love to hear from you as well on uh, these subjects or any that you feel uh, particularly interested in texting about. Smithy, that American gymnast that pulled out of the team's event, is that a bit of an Aussie lay-down sally? If I was her teammate, I'd be pissed. To follow on with that, what about the mental health of her gymnast teammates? Four years of hard work down the tubes. Interesting. Uh, Hi, Smithy. I'm worried for professional sport. It seems like young athletes would prefer to go into the history books by quitting major sports events instead of getting into the history books by winning these major sporting events. A motive there. uh, Three texts on that issue. It is a very... Very sensitive one, as uh, Mark Hinted pointed out uh, during the panel. Uh, God, put John Day back in the cupboard. This is uh, a little bit to do with uh, Shannon Frizzell, I'm sure. Young men make mistakes. If they learn from it and move on, then so should we, who, of course, have never made a mistake, have we? Um, Yeah, people in glass houses, I suppose, and uh, we're all part of that particular group. The ABs used to have uh, Kevin Mialamu as the guy that would pull the young ones back in line when they made bad decisions off the field. Who, if anyone, has taken on that role right now? So a selection of, of texts there. Hmm, very, very hard. I mean, it's all about responsibility. These guys get paid a lot of money. 
and it's all about responsibility to the job and, and to the cause and to the code uh, and to yourself and your teammates. I suppose uh, you know you often hear them say, oh, "I let my family down, I let my my teammates down, I let myself down," and and it's always after the fact. But I, I would imagine when they get into camp, they get uh, all these sorts of things reinforced into them. John, you know, they'd, they'd sit around and management would would say, oh, "I don't know if it's an Ian Foster role or whether it's uh, someone else within the All Blacks." Uh, they sit around and just get reminded of their responsibilities uh, off the field as well. Absolutely. It's a massive part of pre-season these days. They have whole like lectures almost, like university classes almost, like going back to school on these types of things. And sure, we've all made mistakes. Absolutely, I agree with that. Texter, but some mistakes you don't make in assaulting a woman is not one I have made or would ever intend to make. I mean, this is a pretty big deal, you know? Um, sure, if he was just, you know, out on the town and broke a window or something or... You know, had a fight. You know, these these things happen. But this is this is quite serious for me, Smithy. Yeah, I can tell you're you're quite emotive about it. So nice to hear you bounce back, John. Uh, look, I, I don't think any person in their right mind would, would support anyone doing that. Uh, and I remember go back to the days when what Jesse Ryder stuck his fist through a, a window <laughs> somewhere in Christchurch. Uh, that made the headlines there. That's pretty small bickies compared to now. Uh, I think not long after that, he got uh, beaten up in a McDonald's car park and uh, spent some time, uh, I won't say on life support, but it was it was pretty ugly. Uh, JD, uh, here's one, uh, I think, in support of them. Uh, the All Blacks are out of touch. We can't relate to them. Silver Lake Oil Companies, uh, all they are interested in profit, they're not interested in people. It's uh, pretty concise. So obviously there's some fairly uh, emotive thoughts around the Shannon Frizzell issue. And I, I think... Uh, choosing a sponsor too these days. Uh, sometimes you haven't got the choice, but it will be an amazing amount of money. There's no doubt about it, and it will secure a lot of areas rug at rugby of rugby that they were uh, having question marks about post-COVID. Uh, when I say post-COVID, we're not even post-COVID, are we? In the middle of COVID, when it really did affect New Zealand businesses, uh, we're we're getting off pretty lightly in some regards. Tourism people won't agree with me. Uh, Louis, whom uh, and what will be with us very shortly. Uh, and uh, we'll take a visit to the TAB. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing Update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs> and racing's biggest expert joins us now, courtesy of loveracing.nz. Uh, Louis Herman, what we had, Winston Peters, Ring our show, ring our show. The great Winston Peters, he's uh, cutting the ribbon today at uh, Cambridge, the synthetic track. Had great news to talk about. They won it with Pony, won it Riggedon. What have you got for us today, sir? Winston Peters, he's done a lot for the racing people. It's good to see that they're paying their respects today. Four $40,000 races on the card at the Cambridge Synthetic. It's kind of like the, unof well, it is the official opening. It's even though this will be the sixth time it's been raced on. Stephen Marsh joined us this morning. He actually tipped out one in the first. Our odd smithy, this could be a bit of you. Raggedy Doll, $12, $3.60. I know the TAB are running a little bonus back promotion there if your horse runs second, third or fourth, which I'm sure your boy Paul Moati would tell you about. Um, so have a look at that. Also, go have a look at the Quaddy app. Uh, it's an SEN and SENZ um, system that we run. It's in the app store. Go have a look at that. I've chucked a quaddy up there and I'm almost, I was very tempted to take Darcy Palmer one out in the fifth, but I didn't. I also had Rockshire, the team Rogerson runner, 
Otavio's come out of that one. You just never know with Rodgy. He can always just provide one at odds just when you think you've figured it out. Well, I've been tipped one in the first as well, and it isn't Raggedy Dole, I can promise you that. In fact, my one's going to give Raggedy Dole Winburn, according to my source. So it's amazing how many people have got information about the racing industry. If you could believe 10% of it, Louis, if you could believe 10% of it, we'd be rich people. You definitely would. You're taking care of lad, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh. I'm not giving. I'm not. I'm not taking oh, that, and I'm not giving you. you the other one. This is mornings with Ian Smith. Eleven oh three here on SCNZ mornings with uh, Ian Smith and uh, interesting feedback. Uh, we've got some really meaty texts, I suppose. One text of real substance that uh, I'll read very shortly. But uh, we're going to go to netball now. It's elimination time in the ANZ Premiership. This Sunday, when the Southern Steel host the Mainland Tactics in Invercargill, they earned the right to do that last weekend, the winner will go on to face the Northern Mystics in the final the following Sunday. Uh, Joining us now, I'm very pleased to say, is uh, 22-year-old Steel shooter and England international George Fisher. Uh, George First of all, thanks very much uh, for joining us this morning. Man, it's a long way from England to Invercargill. How are you finding it in the Deep South? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm finding it really good, actually. Surprisingly a lot colder than I thought, but no, super friendly. It's kind of like a, its own little like family down here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, Nepal's big down there, too. I, I suppose you've sensed that already, but I'm told that the, the tickets for this match on Sunday sold out in 12 minutes. Do you, do you get that kind of following, that kind of close-up support uh, in English netball? Um, it's slightly different in England. Obviously, in in uh, in the cargo, it's huge. Everyone kind of gets behind it and is super supportive. It's a little bit different in England. Netball's not quite as big, so no, don't quite get the crowds in, especially not for sort of like domestic league stuff. So, yeah, it's super exciting that everyone's just kind of hot behind it so quickly and just like <laughs> selling out. Who who lured you down to the deep south then? What was the reason for going to to do Invercargill in particular? Obviously, like the Southern Steel have got such a rich rich history. They've got some amazing. They've had like some of the best shooters sort of come down here and play, and they're just renowned for sort of like that um, hard 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 out training. Uh, yeah, they say they don't make them like they do in the south, and they're not wrong. Um, so yeah, they're just kind of pushing real hard. So it's kind of like knowing how hard everyone works down here uh, really attracted me. Also, like how amazing the shooters they've had before, um, and also yeah, just kind of like the, the whole setup in general just is is awesome. So yeah, I was like very excited. <laughs> well, what it does create down there as well is I imagine you know a huge atmosphere, which which would give you I would think uh, an advantage. Uh, against the tactics, uh, I'm not sure if you're going to equate that across the goals, but certainly they'll they'll know that they're away from home. The tactics, won't they? Almost oh, definitely. I don't think I've ever known a crowd quite like the crowd down here, and I think that's renowned throughout like the entirety of the ANZ. Everyone knows that they're coming down to Invercargill that they've got to take on like the, the, pretty much the whole of the whole of Invers kind of screwing it out down here. So definitely like huge home advantage. Well, playoff netball is like playoff sport in, uh, in any regard, really. Uh, you can have your, your table where you, you've done very well throughout the season. You can earn your right to get into a one-off situation. But it is just that, George. It's a one-off situation. So 
it's almost a clean sheet of paper. Although, having said that, you have beaten them three times this season, or played them th- uh, three times this season, the two wins and a loss. So you've got a slight advantage there on that ty- side of the ledger. But, uh, you know, playoff uh, one-on-one, on, one one-off netball and one-off-one sport can be slightly different. No, definitely, definitely. I think netball's one of them things that's like it doesn't really matter um, kind of like what's gone on in the season because when you come into a game, you never know who's going to win. I think that's what's been like super exciting about this season is you've like gone into games and p- p- people that were the favourites to win haven't and like different things like that. So it's kind of like heading into these games, you genuinely don't know who's going to come out on top. And I think that's what's super exciting. And also, as you said, yeah, it's like a different vibe. It's like that playoff situation, that pressure situation everything going, everything firing. So, yeah, it's, it's super exciting. You just don't know who's going to kind of win on the day, which makes it even like cooler to watch. We're talking to George Fisher here on SENZ, uh, very, very accomplished uh, netballer, uh, an England international, and these days a shooter for the Southern Steel. They were in a playoff match this weekend uh, against the Tactics. Uh, your form's been very good, though, uh, 91%. Uh, you must be very, very happy with that uh, ratio. I just wonder how hard you have to work. I mean, we, I look at netball and I think so many of your shots are pretty close to the post. I mean, the closer you get, the more advantageous it is. But it's the long-distance ones that, that you admire. Just how much hard work do you put into your shooting skills? So much. I like shooting. One of them positions is kind of like, as a kid, everyone wants to be a shooter. But uh, no, you put in a lot of hard work. I'd probably spend an hour a day kind of at post just on my own sort of hitting up them shots but no you're, you're quite right I shoot pretty pretty close to the post but I feel like that's kind of just where I catch it but no definitely I, as shooters as a whole every single one of us will be at like the post for so much of the day doing loads and loads of shots it's kind of volume that's what it is it's just volume 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 and literally practicing all the time um, but no pretty happy with that percentage it's not too bad eh that's uh, 91% it's unbelievable that's uh that's Irene type uh, ratios. Uh, of course, uh, we we sort of compare everyone over here with uh, Irene van Dijk. And um, whilst you probably never played against her, you would, uh, from a shooting role model, you you couldn't get uh, much more of one, I would imagine. Oh no, definitely. I think being a shooter, there's always like them certain shooters that you look up to. Irene van Dijk being one of them. Like she's an absolutely ama- like an amazing player and someone that obviously I looked up to as a kid and kind of still look up to now. So, yeah, she's all you can't you can't be a shooter and not look up to someone like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. She's fantastic. She's been a great personality for netball and, and still remains that so even in her post playing days. Uh, hasn't been all plain sailing for you though, George. You you had a really uh, bad scary moment uh, around a month ago when you suffered a concussion. Tell us about that and, and about your recovery and the protocols around recovery for uh, concussion and netball. Yeah, so concussion and netball is not that big as you can probably imagine, but um, yeah, I bounced my head off the floor. Um, it, was a, it was a wee bit scary, but was, like, everyone just kind of like hugged it around me and kind of like supported me. So it's kind of just like, get as you said, them protocols, just kind of like, recall and memory and like balance and all them things so like each week I'd go into the doctor and would like retest all my stuff and I'd seen the physio every other day and kind of just like working on getting back to where we was at but no everyone was like really really good with it um obviously Rango was amazing kind of just like didn't push me in any way just like super super supportive so like come back when you're ready 
And then obviously like with Tiana and Grace kind of stepping into that shooting position, uh, it was awesome. I didn't feel any pressure to kind of come back. They they hit up against the Magic and played amazing. So, yeah, I felt super supported by the team. I think not having the feeling to be rushed back definitely helped me kind of recover in my own time. But, yeah, a little bit scary. Never had one, never had a concussion before, but I'm pretty ditzy anyway. So I was like, I don't know what my normal my, my normal <laughs> is. I probably wouldn't know what we were in anyway. <laughs> oh, I love it. Hey, hey listen, uh, George, what, what have you noticed uh, in terms of uh, the standard, the pace of netball domestically uh, in New Zealand as opposed to the level you were playing at in England? Yeah, no, it's super, it's super different. Like, the netball here looks completely differently, like, even just, like, quite literally looks differently. So, like, the style is completely different over here. But also, you've got less teams. So, in New Zealand, you have six throws. In the Super League, you have there's 11 teams. So, out here... Mm you're playing against the same people three times. So you kind of look at people differently and look at the way you break teams down is super different because you know you're going to be playing them quite a few times. But it also means that like the, their game kind of highlights holes within your game because they're looking to pick you apart and they have more opportunity to do that. So I think it's definitely like super, super different like looks-wise and feels-wise. Um, but also it's, it's a professional league here. So it's actually professional and everyone out here is here to be a netballer. So you have a lot more time to kind of like all train together, all like hit up, do a lot more video and stuff like that. So it definitely makes it a lot tougher. And as I said, like having less teams makes it more competitive because you've got like, all, you've got more players fighting for less positions. Um, so yeah, no, it's super, super different, but I, I really enjoyed it. I think that was one thing that I was nervous about, like playing people three times instead of twice, but now nah, it's been a lot of fun. George, uh, hopefully you'll have two weeks left in this competition. Uh, of course, if you beat uh, the Tactics uh, this weekend, uh, you'll go on and play the Mystics in the grand final. Uh, we won't quite know about that till uh, Sunday evening, but what we can find out about is what your plans are. Uh, will you be going back to England? Will you be hanging around New Zealand? Uh, is there a, a busy international programme for England because of COVID these days? Of course, it's a, a little bit harder to get teams together. What, what are the plans for you? No, definitely. I'm, I'm going to try and stick around for as long as I can, kind of see a little bit more of New Zealand. As you said, England kind of still still struggling with uh, quite a bit of COVID and stuff like that. So, yeah, going to try and stay here for as long as I can before I'm kind of summoned back home. But, no, obviously, Jess is an awesome coach and she's always wanting us to get as much international exposure as possible. So I think they're just kind of like, she'll push for us to kind of play as much international netball as we can. Uh, but in the meantime, yeah, I'm just going to, after the season, as I said, fingers crossed two weeks, but hopefully they'll just follow around. Annoy the girls, caught Ali Wilshire in my flat. I'm like, yeah, I've invited myself round. I've invited myself to sleepovers. So <laughs> the girls are stuck with me for a wee while longer. Fantastic news. I'm sure they're pretty happy about that. Hey, uh, look, all the best. You, you sound like a really cool person to me, and you don't sound at all ditzy either, to be fair. Uh, I, I think... You, I don't think you suffered any ill effects from your, your bang with your head on the floor. I, I think you're great. You've been fantastic for us. Uh, good luck Sunday. Uh, that's the most important thing. Go well. Uh, and hopefully uh, you'll come out on top uh, from your point of view. And you'll see, uh, we'll see George Fisher in the grand final against the Tactics uh, in a fortnight time. Thanks uh, so much for your time this morning, George. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Been great. Okay, right. Uh, text. And far, uh, phone calls, please. Uh, we're not that far away from stumping Smithy, but not just yet. Don't get on the phone. If you've got an opinion on something, uh, it's 0800, uh, of course, 150811. 
Uh, and also, uh, if you're our caller of the month, of course, you could be part of an all-black experience. Uh, we were going to send you to Perth, but that game is so much up in the air now, we can't guarantee that. Uh, but we will certainly give you an all-blacks experience, uh, courtesy of Ballpark Entertainment. Uh, 8833 is our text number as well. Uh, read out a couple of those uh, very shortly. And also later uh, in this hour, as we head up to midday, we've got Di Henwood on. Uh, he's a fantastic comedian, of course, part of uh, the Seven Days program. And also uh, he's just a great sporting person too, so uh, I'm interested in hearing his thoughts. Uh, on what's going on in the world of sport. Uh, and then, of course, before 12, we'll be with Staffy. Voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.20 here on SENZ. Yes, uh, Liam on the phone from Auckland. Good morning to you, Liam. G'day, Smithy. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty cool, mate. Uh, few issues to talk about, but you're pretty keen on the rugby side of things. Yeah, well, I'm getting a bit sick of seeing women bashes selected for our national team, to be honest. It's, um, it sort of puts you on sporting teams like that. Yeah, I, I know it's a, it's a really emotive subject and, um, you know, it's usually alcohol-fueled. That's the thing, isn't it? And maybe that's that's more the issue. Um, the repercussions of, of what happens there, uh, you know, we hear them come out and apologise for their actions and I'm sure those apologies are, are fairly genuine. But uh, it's it's not a good thing and uh, it's not a good look. And, and New Zealand rugby um, continually, as a, as opposed to the league clubs in Australia, etc., there seems to be about one a week there, and they've had some pretty nasty sort of scenarios to deal with. But certainly, um, it's not a good look when it comes to the All Blacks because their their doctrine really is that that good men make good All Blacks, and uh, they won't be happy. It's clearly, and but it is frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite frustrating. Um We've got women on the board for New Zealand rugby now. I'd love to know what their thoughts are around the whole situation and the light punishments. Uh, yeah, so was, I uh, think that's also a very good point. Uh, the, the boards uh, yeah. tend to be um, very, very well populated by high-profile women uh, who have backgrounds in business and in sport as well. And I, I can't help but think for one second that they're uh, in favour of, of anything like this. But you, you give... Um, uh, you know, you, you employ people as a board, you employ people to, to handle these situations um, and you, you look at the decisions that you trust them to make the right decisions. So I, I guess uh, there will be rumblings within the group. But what do you make of, of a, a one all-black game suspension for Shannon Frizzell? Obviously, you, you want it to be a, a lot more stringent than that. Yeah, I think that's pretty light, pretty light punishment there. Yeah. Luck to see a few, at least a few more games than one, one all Blacks game. It seems like they're just trying to brush the whole thing under the carpet and quickly move on for it, hope everyone forgets. Yeah, well, you sort of can't blame them for that, but you have to make a stand, and their stand is, is for better or for worse, um, just one game, and that will be the August 7th game at Eden Park that he won't even be part. Of the 23 for that, he'll still probably be around the group and, and the prospect of him playing and, and uh, maybe on the 17th, they're talking about a game on the 17th or certainly a, a trip to Perth as well. So 
Uh, he won't be uh, too far from it, Shannon Frizzell, but I agree with you, Liam, and, and thanks very, very much for your call too this morning. Uh, 0800 150 811, that's the number. Uh, certainly there's uh, a good deal of discernment about the whole thing. Uh, you know, we can't relate to it. One text says the All Blacks are out of touch. We can't relate to them. Silver Lake oil companies, all their interest in profit. We're Black Caps, you love them. It's part of the same text. You love them. They are the people's team, are humble, and they play their best. We hold a mirror up to the Black Caps. We see us hard-working Kiwis. And uh, when quoting also a number of uh, incidents involving All Blacks that uh, we da have not seen coming out of the Black Caps camp. They're a very disciplined group, uh, the Black Caps. Uh, they're, a, they're a very, uh, I think they're respective of the brand, but they're also respective of each other, uh, the Black Caps. And, and it's not surprising to me, very successful because of uh, what is the meat of their group. Uh, and that is very, very solid. Um, they're inward looking. And they're always, uh, one of their uh, motives really has always been to improve themselves uh, as cricketers to be the best that they can, but also to be the best that they can as people as well. And they're certainly doing that. And incidentally, if you want to catch up with the mace uh, that's travelling the country, uh, of course, that's the, the trophy from the World Test Championship. Uh, it's been in Tauranga this morning. I believe it's in Hamilton. Heads down to New Plymouth, uh, through uh, Wanganui to Palmerston North to Wellington, and then down to the South Island. If you want the dates and times, you'll get them uh, on uh, the app, on the New Zealand Cricket app, or you'll get them certainly on our SENZ app as well. Um, yeah, so John, it's, it's, this is, uh, you've fueled this actually, you've fueled this, and um, you're, you're very, very <coughs> adamant about the fact that it should have been longer for Shannon Frizzell. Uh, Frizzell's punishment should be however long his diversion takes to complete. That's an interesting point from Jason, uh, a text. Uh, maybe it should parallel um, along with what the court's given. Yeah, well, yeah, NRL reached a point where they had so many people playing who were in court that they came up with a no-fault stand-down policy. So you weren't gu guilty yet in the courts, but there were so many people who were being brought into bringing the game into disrepute that they had to stand them down. They had to take a stand. We've seen so many people in rugby now uh, being involved in this type of thing, and they don't get stood down. Shannon Frizzell was able to play through while he was the matter was at court because you're innocent until you're proven guilty, aren't you? That's one of the major standings in law, and I, I agree with that, but it gets to a point when your sport gets dragged into disrepute so many times for the same incident, for violence against women or assaulting women, that at some point you've got to be proactive about it because it makes a stain on your game. And so many people, you know, uh, uh, will be turning away from the All Blacks because of these types of incidents. And I don't want to harp on about it because he's had his day in court. But it's more like Shannon Frizzelli, he's going to better himself. He's come out and said, yep, I'm guilty of this. I've got counselling already. I'm front-footing this myself. But just New Zealand rugby don't seem to be front-footing it. And it frustrates people like me and supporters of the game, Smithy. Yep, Andrew from uh, Christchurch has called in as well. Um, Andrew, uh, what's on your mind this morning? Smithy, I'm just uh, I'm just curious as to why the All Blacks are playing in the Olympics when every piece of paper I've read is the New Zealand seven. So I just wonder if the media can maybe just change the way that they portray the New Zealand team, uh, even in the commentary so far. Um, Tony Johnson is quite keen on an All Blacks team playing, but uh, I'd rather have a New Zealand team playing. 
Andrew, that's a good point. Now, John, I'll bring you in on this because uh, I'm very, very sure that uh, they are still lo known officially as All Black Sevens. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that was part of the brand under AIG, wasn't it? Certainly was, and it's part of it with Ineos as well. Uh, that's why they rebranded all these teams, Māori All Blacks, All Black Sevens, the All Blacks. They're trying to get the name All Blacks on as many teams as possible, Andrew, um, just so they can get more sponsorship dollars, and that's the way the world works. Those are the types of uh, things you have to kind of give away. I know it irks a lot of people like you, Andrew, calling them All Blacks. There's only one All Blacks team, isn't there? And we all know this, but the sponsors right. don't. The sponsors don't, and we can get more money and keep more players. So is it worth the hurt of hearing TJ saying All Black Sevens a couple of times so we can keep our players? So do they play under the New Zealand Rugby Union flag while they're over there, or do they play under the uh, New Zealand flag? And is there not a separation between the two? Great question. Smithy, you got that one? Yeah, I have got that, actually. Well, they're playing for us, aren't they? They're playing for us, and, you know, if, if they win, yeah. um, it'll be the New Zealand flag going up the pole, won't it, uh, Andrew? It's as simple as that. Um, and whatever you yeah. like to call them, uh, it will be the Kiwi flag going up, up, the, fla up the flag pole, and we will be hearing... Uh, that's another thing. Um, we'll be hearing our national anthem, uh, and I think only one verse of it as well, which is an interesting matter. Uh, hey, Andrew, thanks so much for your call. Uh, it's an interesting little conundrum, that. Uh, Chris, uh, from Northern Territory in Australia, am I reading that right? Chris, good morning to you. He's not on the line yet, Smithy. We're just, uh, he's just waiting. Oh, okay, yeah. not quite there, John. No. Just yep. trying to get him through. Yep. He'll be there in a uh, second, Chris I'm sure. from the Northern Territory. You can hear it because uh, they're listening to our show in Australia because you can just download the app and, of course, um, it, it goes... Uh, all around the world we're hearing so which is great news running into our second week and we're going global to this point um, another text coming through um, by JD and Smithy well said JD NZR if you it's now NZR very very soft that's Anthony um, and and also uh, surely assault type cha charges are on some parallel to foul play on the field or maybe are they how many weeks or more at a judiciary for laying a hand on another player and anger on the field do you get? You get one week, you get longer than that. Uh, I mean, it, it's, they're all very, very uh, interesting issues and very uh, interesting points of view. Uh, it's been huge. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get your calls. Okay, it's time to stump Smithy. 0800 150 811. No, uh, no uh, thoughts apart from beating me uh, in the next segment of the show. Look forward to giving it a go. You've been pretty successful, but I'm due for one, so look out. It's 11.32 here on SENZ. Yeah, your chance to stump me, please. 0800 150 811. We'll be running that competition very shortly. 0800-150811. See if you know more about rugby league, rugby, cricket, basketball, anything you like, actually. Uh, John Day will pick the subjects. He'll be the quiz master, uh, and you can have a go, and you will win uh, here on SENZ this morning. Some TAB vouchers to the tune of around 50 bucks. Well worth it, so have a crack. Uh, hello, Smithy. Stay as you are. Humble now means proud, and cool means bloody good. Catch you up at Turks. I'll give you 11 out of 10. Well, that's interesting. I might be able to buy me a beer in four days. Uh, dry July just about coming to an end. Thank God, he says. They are officially known as the All Black Seven, so why not call them that? 
The black stick's name is still the same. Why should it change? Because they are at the Olympics. They, uh, I don't want to go. Here's another one for you, Johnchi. Man, people reacting to what you have to say. You must be a powerful bloke. Uh, I don't want to get into shock John Day style mode, but have we forgotten Jesse Ryder, Scott Kugeline, and the dope smokers having a crack at the cricketers uh, being squeaky clean as opposed to the rugby ones? Uh, that was very, very interesting indeed. Young men make mistakes. They certainly do. They make mistakes. Morning is Lewis Clairbert swimming tonight. Uh, thanks very much for that. And uh, can I tell you whether he is swimming tonight, John? I'm looking at the, all my runs. Yes, Lewis Clairbert at 11.12 tonight, swimming in the 200-metre individual medley heats. We'll give you more of an update uh, on uh, New Zealanders involved in the Olympics. Our next one, in fact, is at 12.18. Um, we've got Natalie Rooney in, in the shooting, uh, and then Brooke Donoghue and Hannah Osborne in the A final women's double skulls. I reckon they're a chance of uh, standing on the dais in that. Right, we've got a couple of callers this morning. Um, who are we playing with this morning, John? We're playing with a couple of, of lads, uh, so Stump Smithy. let's get started. Okay. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. We're welcoming Bryce, in Bryce. G'day, Bryce. Seriously drunk, that guy, isn't he? <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> Where are you from, Bryce? I'm from Christchurch. Christchurch, you beauty. Crusaders country. Enjoy that. You're a winner already. Uh, so the way it goes, <laughs> three sporting uh, categories and then three questions after that. Get them all right. 50 bucks from the TAB right into your account. So your sports okay. today are netball. No one goes for netball. Uh, netball, then boxing. And Formula One, what are you going to go for? Oh, blimey. That'd be the worst. Um, yeah. I'd have to go netball out of that. Ah, yes, we like that. All right, let's get started. Bryce from Christchurch. Netball. First question. The ANZ Premiership is into its fifth season. Which two teams have won two titles apiece? Um, two titles apiece. Um, might be the Pulse and Magic. You got one of them right. He's got him. He's out caught. So, Smithy, your attempt to stump here. We know it's not the tactics, don't we, uh, Bryce? I mean, you'll be hoping they win no, this weekend, but they haven't done too well absolutely. in the past. So, just two teams have won two apiece, Smithy. Who are they? I have to say, the Steel, the Southern Steel. I believe they've, when it gets down there and they get close, they're tough to beat in that environment in Vicargo. I'm going the Southern Steel, John. Yes, and the other team to win two? The other team would be the Pulse. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Smithy, well done, mate. You got yourself a stumping. Sorry, Bryce, mate. You have been stumped. No worries. Whoops. No, thank you. Thanks for calling in, mate, and, and hey, do Bryce. so again. Love beating someone from Christchurch. Thank you, what it's at. So hard luck, Bryce. <laughs> we do so have Clint. Today, or you're going to have another go. Yep. Gonna, we'll go again. You're going to go with Clint and Dunedin as well. Clint, g'day, mate. G'day, how are you? Labs. We are very well, Clint. Uh, I'll give you the same categories. Netball, Formula One, or boxing? I'll go boxing. Boxing. Nice. Where are you from, Clint? 
Dunedin. Dunedin, you beauty. All right, first question. How old was George Foreman when he became the oldest heavyweight world champion? You better not be Googling, Clint. 46. Oh. Oh. Probably too old. Feet everywhere. Body nowhere, and uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion. You might be back to the pavilion because that is wrong. Smithy, chance for another stumping. Okay, George Foreman. Uh, I'm going to go 42. But George? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Missed out. Clint was closer. He was 45 years old, George Foreman, when he won the WBA, IBF and Lineal Heavyweight Championships by knocking out 26-year-old Michael Mora. So you're still alive, Clint. Two to go. The fight of the century took place in March 1971 between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Both fighters were undefeated. Who won? Joe Frazier. Absolutely. So, do you know how he won? Technical knockout. Unanimous decision after 15 rounds. What a fight. 1971, Ali and Frazier. All right, last one. Get this right. You win 50 bucks from the TAB. David Tua, arguably our greatest ever boxer, had 52 career wins. How many of them were by knockout? Uh, 38. He's got him. He's out court. Smithy, another chance for you, mate. It's not quite right. Okay. Um, I'm going to say 33. 33. John. Of David Tua's 52 wins, he was a knockout artist. 43 of his 52 wins wow. were by knockout and some of them spectacular. If you've got a spare five minutes, YouTube David Tua knockouts and that's a bloody good time. So you win, Clint, from Dunedin. 50 bucks, TAB voucher coming your way. Stay on the line. Cheers. That's great. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, so fella. Didn't even have to get them all right and he's a winner. So one stumping smithy and a couple of missed chances. Yeah, absolutely. Um, John Brace will advocate the fact that I was lucky to get one stumping. So, uh, Moving along, John. Moving quite along, we've got uh, Di Henwood coming up very shortly. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking to Di Henwood. Uh, he's a real character um, and, uh, you know, right to the forefront of uh, New Zealand comedy. So uh, that's coming up very shortly. And Staffy before the break at midday to polish up on my boxing and my netball. That's quite clear. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Sports. No joke. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From Wimbledon to the Astrodome. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, football, Ancient Greece I've been learning about. Yeah? From TikTok. You know Achilles and Phosphorus and Bofides, right? They're the three strongest people in Greece. Right. Phosphorus. Yeah, yeah. Ignore yeah. him for the moment. Okay. Now, Bofides was like... Um, Achilles, he had a weakness. It was his groin, there was Achilles' heel, and there was Bofidi's nuts. <laughs> very, very funny man. I'm pleased to introduce uh, to the show this morning, star of seven days uh, on TV3, 
uh, returns to uh, your screens, my screen as well, uh, next Thursday evening at 8.30 p.m. on uh, TV3. Uh, Di Henwood, uh, I would imagine if uh, Seven Days team picked a, a rugby team, uh, you wouldn't be lock, mate. Good morning to you. No, absolutely, I wouldn't be. Um, I actually, my my life in, in rugby went through many incarnations because I was um, I was a good five foot five, seventy five kg, twelve thirteen year old. So I actually played centre um, in rugby up until I stopped growing and everyone grew around me and then ended up at halfback where I stayed. So what do you weigh now then? If you were only that back then, I, you wouldn't be much more. I, I literally haven't changed. <laughs> I, I pretty much stayed the same. <laughs> I've stayed the same. I'm maybe I'm a couple of kgs heavier, um, but unfortunately, height never never was in my favour. But no, um, rugby and cricket were my sports growing up. Half your bloody luck, mate. Not changing. I tell you that. Hey, look, you, you guys are back on the air. It's a fantastic show. It's a fantastic show, no doubt about it. Uh, man, what this is? Uh, what number season for you now? Well, we are season 13, and we, um, wow. uh, by the, the looks of the NZ on Air funding recently, we're going into season 14 next year. So um, it's all, it's, it's amazing there. It's just a group of mates who um, we, we sort of grew together, and Paul, Jeremy, and I, we golf together a couple of times a week, and um, we've sort of maintained such a close friendship, which I think shines through the show. And um, and and was one of the main reasons why it keeps on its legs. Plus all the the, the variants of amazing comics that, uh, that are coming through the country. Di Henwood, uh, listen. Anyone that follows you on social media will realise uh, you've got a, a genuine love for the Vodafone Warriors. Uh, how did that start? Um, and how's your faith levels right now? Oh. Let me tell you, I've, um, I'm, a, I've, I'm a sucker for punishment. My history is I'm from Wellington. I, um, so I've always supported the Hurricanes. I've always supported the Black Caps and um, the New Zealand um, cricket team. Um, big fan of yourself included. And, um, and the Warriors. And um, for those who, my, my age is, is around 43. In fact, it's exactly 43. So it hasn't been the easiest follow through cricket. Wellington Rugby and um, the Warriors and I I came through playing Rugby Union but then just when there, I, there was this allure of the Winfield Cup in um, Australia which and um, mm. I just loved watching before I go and play um, Rugby Union I'd record on VHS the late sort of Friday night games and I loved um, teams like West and Balmain and the Roosters and Manly and then the Warriors came into the competition and it was a similar, it was sort of a few years before I moved to Auckland and I just sort of got bonded with the Warriors and I loved, I just, I've ridden the highs, the, the very few highs and many lows of the team and um, I'm lucky enough for uh, nigh on the last um, 10 years I've sort of worked out at home games which um, tragically we haven't had many of recently and I love the Warriors, I'm there for the Warriors I've never been a big fan of the keep the faith slogan because I sort of um, think we're at a stage in professional sport where we need to demand more accountability and performance and so forth. But oh, it's, a, it's been a hard last seven weeks with um, 
seven losses and with a lot of shuffle rounds and um, two of us are sick, has been such an amazing servant to the game and, and to the Warriors itself, leading them to the top eight in 2008, in 2018, sorry. Um, with him returning home recently, well, as of last night, Lisa Armel's been released and he's coming home. Um, Peter Hicku, who hasn't been in the side for nigh on three months, is captaining them this week and playing in the halves with Sean O'Sullivan, who um, who has sort of never had time to cement himself. They're almost our third string halves pairing. We've got an 18-year-old at fullback. Who knows what's going to happen? But what I do know is when the Warriors are at their lowest, that's when they pull out the gold. So I'm predicting a win, actually, this weekend, a win by six points against West. I'm going to look at the margin for that, and I'm going to take that bet because my tips have laid it in. <laughs> Bloody average. To be fair, hey, secret, secret, how many jerseys you've got. I mean, they have. it seems to me they play in about seven different jerseys a year. How many jerseys have you got? They're not. They're not shy of a. Um, they're not shy of a new jersey. Um, the the Warriors, in fact, a lot of NRL teams. I have at last count, which was two weeks ago, and I, I don't think I bought too many since then. I have uh, sixty seven jerseys, I believe. <laughs> uh, oh, the fact that you uh, work. Luckily, the fact that you work there, though, means. They're free, aren't they? Because you're an employee, basically. You do game day work, so they're free. So luckily, they're free slash, let's say, tax deductible. Um, some of them, some of them, I've um, um, uh, a lot of them I've been um, gifted by the club, and then a lot of them I've bought. And um, my my boy, who is eight years old, he's a massive Warriors fan. fan but um, once he's actually started watching a lot of league, he um. He's become a Souths fan over the last couple of years. So it's actually I've always encouraged him just to, to support the team he loves. So it's nice having um having having someone in the house who cheers for a different team. Not when they beat us by sixty points, so No, I believe uh, I believe you're on the right track uh, this week. I think they'll beat the West. I really do. I've got I've, uh, got and well, I won't say amazing confidence, but I'll back it up with a small punt. Uh, Di Henwood, thank you very much. The star of uh, one of the stars of Seven Days uh, and an absolute uh, sporty, sporting naffy, really. I, I, I imagine uh, well, I could talk to him about cricket as well uh, and many other subjects, but it's been great to have him on. We'll have another comic next week in our uh, Sports No Joke segment. Uh, we're very close to uh, the midday. It's 11.52. Uh, when we come back from this little break we shall be talking to Mark Stafford uh, on a couple of issues and also uh, the fact that he's uh, got a very busy show this afternoon I'm sure he's the voice of sport in New Zealand nothing gets past Smithy this is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ 11.58 here uh, two minutes away from the news at 12 two minutes away from Mark Stafford taking over from 12 to 4 Uh, Staffy just time to say what have you got in store for us this afternoon? What have I got in store? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm kicking off with what you kicked off with, mate. I loved your Smithy sermon at the top of your show. I was in the car driving into the studio. And uh, Eunice Bala, what a dog. And um, I'm actually borrowing about a minute of your dialogue because I'm hot on that, mate. And I thought you summed it up beautifully. Uh, the attempted bite, the bite, whatever it was. 
Um, I certainly have my thoughts on that. So um, we've got Midday Madness from midday straight away. People can ring up and tee off. Tee off for the first part of the show. Guaranteed to get on air, people, on 0800 150 uh, So do give us a call. I want to hear your views on it. Uh, later in the show, Smithy, Lance Revel. Uh, well-known bo- boxing coach and uh, former competitor himself. So I want to cover that off, but I also want to get his thoughts on are we overhyping David Nika's chances? Uh, interested to talk to him. Eddie Dawkins, a recently retired track cyclist, has taken up powerlifting. And uh, if you can remember the size of his thighs, it's a good move. Uh, the new Magic coach, we have a taekwondo expert coming into studio, and we will round the show out with Sir Gordon Titchens on the 7th. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.